0: Hi, and thank you for joining us this morning. As restrictions ease across the state, do you feel like you can almost take that sigh of relief? Almost, that whew, bit of a, a breath out. Maybe it's a, a, a bit of a breath out that means you can finally do something that you haven't been able to do. Maybe you have a bit more confidence in going to catch up with somebody as, as a friend, or maybe your kids are back at school Maybe as restrictions ease, you go, finally, I can get out of my house. <sighs> awesome. And there's a, a, an out-breath and an action that goes with it based on the easing of the restrictions. I remember when I was first realizing what it is just to be sort of sipping air, like f- 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 little shallow breaths. And it was my one and only time that I've ever been scuba diving. Uh, a friend of my dad's brought his scuba diving gear to the exotic location of the local swimming pool. And I remember as I put on that oxygen tank and that mask, that thing you put in your mouth, I I was able to trust it and breathe when my head was above water. (sighs) That was okay, breathe in, breathe out. But when it 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 took the, the moment of putting my head underwater... It took me multiple goes to even have the courage to try and take a breath. Everything about it was wrong. To put my head underwater and breathe in seemed just totally wrong. Everything within my physical being said, you don't do that, you will die. And so I had to try and I'd put my mouth up to here and half in and out of the water and take a, a sip of air. And in doing, taking a sip, I never really took it into my lungs. I just sort of sucked air into my mouth. And it was that worked. And then I, I got a little bit lower in the water and did the same again. Little sips of air without really inhaling it. And then took these little sips of air and I had to breathe it all out and the bubbles go out. And finally I, I sort of got all the way under. That was about that felt like all the way under. That was as much as my, my faith in the, the equipment would let me go. And I took that little sip and then I took a, a deeper one. And then With confidence, because I knew I could trust it, I breathed in and breathed out. And that was it. I had confidence in the equipment. And the very next breath, I didn't just stay in the same spot. I breathed in, dived under the water, and explored the majesty that is the bottom of the Wallora swimming pool. (laughs) And I feel like in life, we. We can do the same, and maybe this year feels like the same. In a COVID world, you feel like, well, I know how to breathe when everything's running normal. I know how to live as a Christian. I know how to understand who Jesus is, understand what it is to know who God is when my head's above water. (sighs) Yes, this is great, but all of a sudden, COVID hits, and you go, I don't know. I don't know how to sip the Spirit. I don't know how to trust God. I don't have confidence in the way that I've experienced God through His Word or in my small group or whatever. And today's message is if you've been living like that in this whole series of deep breath, it's like, how do we take that confidence in God and breathe deeply? But more than that, how do we breathe out but also dive into action? These breaths have a purpose. The breath of the tank and the respirator was to give me oxygen to be able to explore underwater. And the idea of being filled with the Spirit and God's Word as a Christian is to be able to be diving in to action in this world. If maybe you've been feeling like you don't have the confidence to breathe in, or if you're not sure what to do with the air, the spirit that God's given you, then this message will speak into that through God's Word. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that as we learn once again to breathe deeply of you, but for that breath to launch us also into action, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us where we need to hear it the most today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we had Carl Faye's last week preach an incredible message and such a challenge for all of us. And, and But today we're picking back up, of course, in our series on deep breath. But just to recap, about three weeks ago, the first week of the series, we talked about how sometimes we find ourselves spiritually dry. We feel like we may have been doing the right thing, but maybe we've been distracted. Maybe work has upped its hours or changed its hours. Maybe you can't meet physically at church. Maybe there's been something about your devotional time in God's Word or, or, or in prayer or in small groups or something about the routines that you've had haven't been working and you find yourself dry. And we talked about a passage in Ezekiel about how God's people, Israel, had found themselves in exactly that place and they were, they were identified as dry bones. And Ezekiel was, was given the, the, this image, this, this prophecy, this image from God about how they would be restored back to fullness. And while they could be restored physically, it wasn't until God breathed on them, it was God's breath that renewed them spiritually. And, and in that, he was saying there's nothing that we can do as people to be restored spiritually. There's nothing we can do. It's actually all up to God. Yes, we can read Scripture. Yes, we can meet together. Yes, we can go through the routines. But there's actually something that that only God can do, that that can renew us. And and in that, we see in the New Testament, now that we know that we have Jesus, that Jesus came to earth, he died on the cross for us to take away the, the, the consequence of our wrongdoings between us and God. And because of that, we get to be restored to living the way God wants us to all eternity with him because of Christ. And on this side of the cross, we read that that it's still the same, though. It's not through our doings, it's through the doings of Christ. It's through His doings, through His breath of the Holy Spirit, that we are restored. Galatians 1, chapter 11, as Paul says this to to the, the church in Galatia, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin nor did I receive it from man, nor was I taught it. It wasn't through my own doing. Rather, I received it by revelation of Jesus Christ. The gospel doesn't come from our doing. The Spirit doesn't come from our doing. It only comes from God. Then a couple of weeks ago, we had the the gas bottle, the oxygen bottle up on stage, and we talked about how we know that that God is good. We know that God is is the good stuff. When we breathe in oxygen, we know that's the good stuff. When we breathe in the Spirit, we know that's the good stuff. Uh, Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. But we also talked about how sometimes our understanding of how we get to God, how God speaks to us and how we receive the Spirit, how we live in communion with Him in relationship, sometimes those ways are actually man-made. And some of those routines, while they could be good, and and I'm a big fan of routine, gyms, gyms open this week, And I've been posting ever since day one that I am sore everywhere. Like I love routine. I love the gym. It's awesome. But sometimes when it comes to the the human-made ways of doing religion, we we can't get to what we know is good. Sometimes we can't get there. And we need to think outside the box a little bit. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding." but in all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Don't sit in our own understanding and how we are to experience God. Sometimes we need to to take off those blinkers and see that God is good, but he's got a different way of communicating to us, a different way of of showing himself to us, a different way of revealing his plan for us. Today we're not only talking about how we, we... receive God in those moments but but what do we do with it so if we know that, that God is good we know that there are seasons in life when we do feel like we had dry bones when we feel like we're not as close to God as we should be and in those moments God still is the same God yesterday today and tomorrow the same God that has a plan for us and wants us to be in a relationship with him but but why yes he loves us but there's more to it there's a mission we read in the, the week one about the dry bones. When they were raised together, they were raised as an army with a purpose. But how do we know? How do we know if we're sipping air or if we're diving under? How do we know if we're, we're in a space where God is, is working in and through us or maybe we, we're feeling a bit dry? Well, luckily Jesus gave us a test to be able to test these things and, and be able to, to be a bit, of a bit of a check-up, a bit of a spiritual pulse check to see how we're doing. You see, in Matthew chapter 15, we see that Jesus is, is talking to, to a group of people and in that he is saying that, that you, your actions actually don't matter all that much. It's actually about the condition of your heart because we're all going to mess up with our actions and no one's perfect. You see, you can be trying to do the right thing, but but you can still mess up. Yes, you can do some physical things that are bad, but actually it's the condition of your heart that God cares about the most. And if you need a checkup, it's not actually a checkup on your physical attributes or your intelligence. It's actually a checkup of your, your heart, your spirit. It says this in Matthew chapter 15, verse 18. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. It's actually what comes out of your mouth that, that is an indicator of what is on the inside. If you think of back in the Old Testament, it was the greatest king that Israel had ever seen, a guy called King David. And he was overlooked for the much more impressive brothers, the, the physically impressive, the ones that had achieved great feats because God chose the one because of his condition of his heart. And he had a heart after God's own heart, we read in Scripture. And so God wants your heart. He He wants your, your, he doesn't care about how good you are. He doesn't care about how smart you are. He doesn't care about your good looks or your, your physical being or anything. He actually cares about your heart. And that's such a great thing. Because when God is in your, your spirit, in your heart, then what you say starts to echo Him. What you do starts to echo the things of God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16 are really well-known verses, and they speak about, well, how do you know? Well, how, do you, how do we test the condition of the heart? And maybe this can give us a bit of an, an indicator of seeing when we speak, when we exhale, when we expire, what words are coming out of our mouth that will represent our heart? When we live and act in a certain way, while well, it's not about our actions, if our heart is right, then, then the way that we live will show that Christ is in us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. 16 says this well-known verse is, you are the light of the world. If we stop just for a moment, I want to say that everybody that calls themselves a follower of Christ, every believer, Jesus is speaking to you. We can easily move on to the next verse, but I love that the very... First part of this says, you are, you are, as simple as that, you are the light of the world. It goes, oh sorry, first it says, you are the salt of the earth, Earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Verse 14, you are the light of the world, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do not... Uh, People don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone around the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, we are called to be the salt of of the earth, the, the persevering elements of what God has created. We are here to, to, to bring the flavors of God that will persevere the, the moral standing within this world, that, that flavor of the way that we speak that flavors food, that flavors our conversations in a way that people can tell there's something about the way we speak. There's something about the way that we live that has a flavor to it that would Echo God's flavour because Christ is in us. But likewise, you are the light of the world. You're the light in your families. You're a light in your workplace. You're a light in the community. You're you're a light in the classroom. You're a light with your friends in the way that you live. And people, when they look at you, they are drawn to something, but it's not just you. It's Christ in you in the way that you live, the way that you breathe has been breathed into you through his spirit. In um, the year, between the years 1700 and 1720, a little while ago now, if you were in the, the small rural vi- village of Epworth in England, you may have seen a pretty odd sight if you peered through the The window of a certain house. You see, the house was um, really close to a church, an Anglican church, and it was the the church manse. It was the the house that belonged to the the church, the the pastors of the church. And in that house was um, the the entire pastoral family. And and in there was the husband who was often out ministering to people and and preaching in the church and, and doing great things around the community. But There was also 10 children in the small house. It's not like the houses of today. We're talking one or two room sort of houses, small little English cottage. And also the mother, of course. And at certain times of the day, depending when you you peered through the window, you may have seen the mother doing something quite odd. In the hustle and bustle of 10 children running around and studying and practicing and playing, you would find the mother with her, her full length Apron. She she would take her apron and she would sit at the the kitchen table and she would take the apron and she would put it over her head. And those that have been parents with children in isolation can probably go, yes, that's exactly what I felt like doing, just like la 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 la. That's not what she was doing though, because of the confines of space, and we know what the weather can be like in England with a, a wet wetter climate. She would tell the children under very strict instructions, if mum has the apron over her head, don't interrupt her. Because for two hours every day, what she would do is place that that apron over her head and she would open up God's Word. And in the midst of craziness and running around and noise and hustle and bustle, she would find this place of solitude just under a thin layer of material where she would just be sitting there for two hours every day just going... Just inhaling the things of God, just spending time praying about the things that are on her heart and just inhaling all the things and and wrestling through the questions that are in her mind and the questions about Scripture, the questions about her children, the questions about the world that she lives in. And just spend time meditating with God on that so that when she would remove that apron from over her head, she would live it out as an example to her children, an example to those in the community, an example to those around her. But for two hours every day in the midst of a place where you think there would be no silence or solitude, she found that solitude under her apron where she spent two hours with God every single day, breathing him in. Of those ten children, there were two boys. There's multiple boys, but two of the boys were named John and Charles. That woman's name was Susanna Wesley, the mother of John and Charles Wesley, who went on to radically transform for the better the Christian world as missionaries, as passionate followers of Christ, who from their mother's example of hiding away to so be able to inhale the things of God, they, they took that mantle and lived it out in such a powerful way in their community. So much so that, that much of the church that we have today still echoes some of the changes that they made as they would run crusades and lead people to in revivals around the person of Jesus Christ. If we fast forward through history to the early 1900s, 1940. And a lecturer in the Wheaton College, a lecturer who's a, 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 um, a real authority in the area of revival in the church, the, those times when, when people diligently followed God, and, and the gospel just broke out and thousands upon thousands of people gave their lives to Christ. And this, this authority, this lecturer, Dr. J. Irwin Orr, was taking a group of students on tour. And he took this group of students to this small little English village, this little town called Epworth, to visit where the, the great John Wesley had been based and they went to, to John Wesley's house and they, he took the, the two of these bunch of boys and they all went and had a look through the house and they got to, his, to John Wesley's bedroom. And next to where the bed was, on the carpet next to the bed was these two worn divots in the carpet, almost so worn that it was down to the floorboards. And Dr. Orr explained to the, the students that it is said that Those two places on the floor were worn there as John Wesley's knees sat in the same spot every day for hours upon hours until his knees ached as he prayed to God for both the social and spiritual renewal of England. That tour group went back and jumped back on the bus and As Dr. Orr was doing the head count, he realized that one of the students was missing. He went and made his way back through the house looking for the missing student and found he could hear something coming from the bedroom of the late, great John Wesley. And he got to the door and he saw a student kneeling next to the bed with his knees in the same place where John Wesley's knees had been time and time again in prayer. And he stood at the door and he listened to the prayer of this young student who was praying earnestly these words. Oh Lord, do it again. Do it again. Or walked over to the student, placed his hands on his shoulder and said, Come Billy, we must be going. And raising from the divots in the ground that were made by a man of God who prayed for his country, Billy Graham rose to his feet and made his way back to the bus. Billy Graham, one of the greatest evangelists of our generation who passed away quite recently, started his ministry in prayer based on somebody that started their ministry, based on a mighty woman of God that threw a tea towel over her head. You see, there's something about when we inspire the things of God and we want the things of God, it doesn't matter who you are. You can be a mother that's run off their feet, but, but every day you dedicate yourself to some time with God going, I need to breathe you in so I can live it out to inspire your children so they can live it in, so they can breathe it out, so they can inspire the, the greatest evangelists that we've seen in the last hundred years. Breathe it in to live it out. I believe is a church that when we sit in God's Spirit, when we have God's Spirit in it, it's not just enough to be sitting there being comfortable. We are called for a purpose. The dry bones were formed into an army. We are filled with the Spirit to be on mission for God because there are people out there that don't know who Jesus is. And if you don't know who Jesus is, He can't be forgiving you for your sins if you haven't said you're sorry. And if you can't be forgiven for sins, you can't accept the forgiveness. And if you can't forgive the accept the forgiveness, then you can't be with God for all eternity. It's a gift that is given, but how do you know to receive the gift if you don't know that it's been given? We are called for a purpose, to save our friends and our family, our neighbours, the people in our workplace from an eternity without God. There's going to come a time when God comes again, and He will collect those that, that have followed Him. He will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have served me faithful. You have lived out the spirit that I have given you. You've put into action the things that I've put into you. We may not be Billy Grahams. We may not be John Wesleys. We may be mums or dads that are struggling at home and feel like putting the tea towel over a head for a different reason. But I want to encourage us to to spend some time in Scripture. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time wrestling through the things of God. Spend some time, whatever that looks like, in solitude going, God, what do you have for me? And what can I do for you as a response? I believe we need to be a church that puts our knees on the ground once again and says, do it again, God. Choose us and do it again. For the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of our families, for the sake of our city, would you do it again? And I ask us to to pray a prayer. And for some of us, you may not have prayed this prayer before. It's a prayer that, that accepts Christ into our lives. For others of us, we've just got distracted and it's been a tough year. We know what it is to live in the Spirit when the water's down here and our head's above it, but as soon as we get pushed under the water, as soon as things change, as soon as we lose our routine, as soon as we lose our habits, we can't breathe anymore. We don't know what it is to to live in the Spirit. And we're feeling dry. And maybe we've been trying in our own energy to work our way out of the water. And God says, no. Taste and see that I am good. I have offered you life and life to the full through Jesus Christ. If you accept me, I will fill you with the breath of life and you'll be able to live in a way that's on purpose and on mission. If you want to accept the gift that God offers freely through His Son, I want you to pray this prayer. But likewise, if you're feeling dry, you can pray this prayer as well. doesn't mean the last time you prayed it was for nothing. That was important, but you've just found yourself a bit dry. And so once again, you want to be filled with Christ, filled with the Spirit. Let's pray. God, I want to breathe again. I ask you into my life. I ask for forgiveness for the things that I've done wrong. I thank you for sending your Son to die for me on a cross for taking the punishment for the things that I have done that have separated me from you. I accept you as my Lord and Savior from this day forward. I want to be salt and light in this world. Do it again through me, I pray.